1: Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts.
0: Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Dr. Ken Keyes. Dr. Keyes, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Henry, for having me on. Excited to have you. A great topic of conversation today. I'm titling this episode, Business on Purpose. And let me give you a little bit of background on Dr. Keyes, and it'll start to make a bit more sense as to why I was excited about having him on the show. Uh, Dr. Ken Keyes is a foremost global authority on behavioral assessment strategies and processes, and an expert in leadership, purpose, and wellness. So he combines all of those things. He's generated a heck of a lot of content on this and other topics. He's produced over 4 million words of content, including 500 articles. For books and dozens of assessments, so a lot of thought and research and background that has got into, gone into rather, what uh, his beliefs are on how we can improve our purpose in life and in specific, how we can apply that to our small business. Uh, as he poses, did you know that that less than 10% of the population believe that they are living out their purpose, and only about 13% of the global workforce say that they're engaged. That's probably not surprising to any of you listening. That's one of the reasons you're probably listening if you're aspiring to become an entrepreneur or a small business owner. And even as small business owners, though, we, we are struggling with that sometimes. Are we really living out our purpose? Are we really, really working in a business that we, we feel that passion about, that purpose about? So his purpose, Ken's purpose, is to help others live, lead, and work on purpose. So we're going to chat about that. Uh, Ken lives in Abbotsford, British Columbia. Did I pronounce that correct?
1: It's Abbotsford. It's near Vancouver, Canada. So
0: that's close. We're only an hour away. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful part of the world there. And so we're going to chat a little bit about Ken's journey, how he got to where he is today. Very interesting background. Not what I would have expected before I did the uh, the uh, research. And then we'll chat about leading your small business with purpose. So with all of that said, Dr. Ken Keyes, welcome to the show.
1: Well, again, thank you for that introduction. And I said, wow, who did that?
0: <laughs> and so it's what happens after a lot of years of doing, doing good work, right?
1: Well, it, it accumulates. And, you know, it's interesting to encourage the listeners. In grade nine, my English teacher said I would never amount to anything Is because right? I couldn't read or write. It was discovered when I was doing my master's degree, I was dyslexic. Wow. You so, did that, discovered it until you were working on your master's. Correct. And the invention of the computer, that's really what discovered it, is all of these red lines and all these words that were misspelled. And they said, how come you keep doing that? And I said, well, it seems okay to me. So it's minor, and if I concentrate, and even if I get some uh, words mixed around in this interview, please have some grace around it. <laughs> and how I got even with my English teacher is writing you know, my three or four books and all these content pieces. I would have never thought that this would be possible or I'd be in this space way back when I was 16 years of age. I knew I was supposed to be a speaker, but I really didn't see this authorship till later on where my esteem was built back up and moved into a space where I said, yeah, no, I I can do this. I can Mm -hmm. communicate in writing.
0: Why did you know you were meant to be a speaker?
1: I was a part of the 4-H program. I mean, I grew up on a dairy farm. So from an entrepreneurial point of view and a business point of view, I was the third generation, first born male, Eastern European descent. And so I was part of this 4-H and I was, even when I was 16, I was part of a conference. There was 400 people there and I just was excited. I was scared to death, but at the same time, excited and ecstatic to be chosen to speak to all the delegates as part of, on behalf of the delegates. And I said, I, I want to do this. And then even when I was 17, 18, 19, I was asked to be the MC of just about every event in town because I was always brought energy, had some fun, had some humor with it, and was witty and responsive to the audience. And people wanted that. You've been to some of these community events, Henry, where the MC is the president and it's the driest and most boring (laughs) thing in the world. And so that's where it sort of started. And that's where I started. Now I didn't convert that into my profession till my late twenties, but I even knew at that time that that was part of what I was supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Do you, was
0: it conversely
1: at that time communicating through writing was a struggle for you? Uh, absolutely, and of course computers weren't there, so at handwriting, um, when I did my papers in college, I had to have a dictionary beside me just to look at just about every word. So it was it was burdensome. Yeah, and And of course, I didn't really know what the reason was. And of course, the the grade nine English teacher who said that I was nothing. I mean, she was trying to mean well, but it was not the right thing to say to somebody who was in grade nine. No, absolutely not.
0: All right. So you grew up in a farming environment and then that, that
1: was your earlier first career. Is that right? It was. Well, those of you that have business and you have family, think about it. You know, I came home from agricultural college, started working with my dad, and both of us wanted to be in charge, Henry. (laughs) So it didn't really go so well. So here I am, this, you know, third-generation, first-born male, Eastern European descent. So I left, and I went and took a job with the Federal Department of Agriculture. And, of course, my family said, you know, I did all of this for you, right? Mm. And so a lot of times people are in businesses and we'll get to that in the business, the, the purpose side is a lot of times we inherit sort of family businesses or we go down a certain pathways because that's where we've been at, not because it's necessarily our purpose. Right. So I might've stayed longer if I was able to get along with my dad, but we both wanted to be in charge. He, with his background, he really was not a communicator, but it wasn't something we were doing together. He was just wanting to tell me what to do. And as a 20 year old, I wasn't really willing to listen to him.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm, I'm sure you thought, i' I won't be in charge until he passes, which hopefully is years from now. And that's not something you were willing to wait for, obviously. Uh, no. Um, so when you think back now to that experience in farming and in that industry, what what are some of the things you take away from it that you think still apply to how you run a business today?
1: Well, I think community. I mean, if you think about that rural sort of environment, helping each other out, if somebody needed something, you were always there for your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And the other one is tenacity and doing whatever it took. I actually had and started my own dairy farm after I left a few years later. And I got up one morning and i the sun was coming up. And, you know, of course, it's 24-7. Every single day you're working. And I said, do I want to do this 20 years from now? And I said, no. However, one of the examples there is that, one day all the pipes and everything were frozen on the farm because we had this extremely cold uh week in the middle of february and it didn't matter how long it took i needed to thaw those pipes so that those cows could get milk Mm -hmm. so when we think about tenacity when we think about resilience which is a big word that everybody talks about or grit now you know as an entrepreneur you need that you need to be connected to that you need to do whatever it takes to be able to get that done not from a you know, inappropriate or lack of integrity point of view. But a lot of times we need to have this stick-to-itiveness to to be able to stay there and stay focused on it to be able to get it done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, I don't think that's surprising. That's what I thought you would say, the tenacity part and the work ethic. That's, That's where I thought you would go. But the community part is interesting because I don't think that's something we think about. And I think you know, I've talked about this a lot on the show that as entrepreneurs, we can get very isolated and there is that competition that we probably bring more to it than there should. And sometimes we think, Oh, I would never talk to that person. He's my competitor. Uh, i give you an example. We have uh, one of our businesses, a self-serve frozen yogurt shop. And just last week we ran out of product, but we know that our competitor that's he's not direct competitor. They're on the other side of town, but they use the same product. So we've helped each other before. Right. Um, so that's an example of where I think sometimes that, Value of community, we lose that, the value of that in small business nowadays. Do you do you see that as well?
1: Well, I see a shift, Henry, where entrepreneurs are realizing that doing on the, on your own is a very lonely space. Right. And mentoring, coaching, peer conversations, you need those. You need to be connected to this community to be able to kind of grow, support. Just doing it on your own, it's just not recommended. I mean, that's why you know, people like us who are business coaches or support tools is you were never meant to do it on your own. You're really meant to be mentored, supported and be part of this community. Why would you do that just to be isolated just because you're going to make some money? Well, you know, what's the purpose in that? And yeah. so I see that shift. I see these community groups or tech groups or whatever group you want to call it, where you get together with peers and talk about your issues and your items so that you can grow, so that you can have balanced life, whatever it is is a very, very important part of the business model now.
0: Yeah, agreed. All right, so then at some point, you make a shift into the auto industry,
1: if I got that right. Well, what happened was, is I actually worked as a sales rep for an agricultural company. And then I started my own sales training program. And so I actually bought a franchise in sales training. And then in 1992, Lee Iacocca was still, it was his last part at Chrysler. Pryser did the largest training program in the history of North America. 160,000 people were trained in 16 weeks. Wow. And I was selected as one of the team leaders for the West Coast of Canada for the Canadian and U.S. training initiative. And so all of a sudden I got pulled into, even though I had my own sales training company, I applied to be this team leader. And so I was selected as the team leader for the West Coast. And then as a result of that, they invited five people back after this whole project. And I was one of those five and then went on to be with another person, the sole source provider for Chrysler Canada for just about 10 years of all the soft skills development. So we developed 40 training programs for them. One of the programs, our sales training program was taken into the Southern hemisphere into 40 countries, and we launched it in Chrysler, Mexico. So it was an amazing, um, program or process or contract that we had. We had 12 full-time trainers across the country and we did everything. We did process management we did HR. We did leadership. We did customer service. We did marketing. We did budgeting. We did all of that as part of this core offering. And then nine 11 happened. Oh. And the next week our multiple seven figure contract was canceled. Wow. So we went from, you know, this amazing corporation where I'm earning hundred thousand per month personally to zero in seven days they basically said we're giving you no notice we're doing nothing it's over and it was the week after 9 11. so i had to shift but it was okay because when we think about you know why are we in business in one of the things we teach you know is that we need to think about lifestyle as much as what is the purpose of the business i was on the road 300 days a year for nearly six years.
0: Jeez.
1: I was commuting from Vancouver to Detroit for an entire year. I left on Sunday night, came back Friday night, slept on Saturday and left again on Sunday. We had two kids at home. It nearly cost me my marriage. And so we talk about these things. We have these stories. It was great experience. I mean, doing 200, 250 days of work with them on the road every year for five, six, seven years, you get good. But I'd never do it again.
0: If if you could go back, would you have left earlier or do you think it just was so hard to walk away from the experience and the opportunity and the money?
1: I was close to leaving already. I would have maybe changed it up where I did less work and I hired more people. I made yeah. more by doing my own work. Sure. But I think that was I I admit it, uh Henry, I was addicted to the cash flow at that time. Sure. So, uh, yes, I would do it differently. I wouldn't be out there as much. The other thing is, is my partner who worked with me, I think sometimes he was in fear of losing the contract. And I think that's as entrepreneurs, we should never be that way. We should actually be peers with our clients so that we are equally respecting one another. I remember my daughter had her four-year-old birthday party. And so that was going to be on the weekend. And on Friday, Kaiser phoned me and says, listen, we need you here Monday morning for an event here in Detroit. And I said, sorry, I already got a, a my daughter's birthday. She says, if you want this contract, you'll be here. Really? And so uh, at that time, I, you know. Now, now who had, said that to you? Chrysler. Our Chrysler, got it. You're, said that to me. And yeah. I said, you know what? That's really not how you should be treated. You need to stand in your own space in a, in a positive, confident way. And said, sorry, I mean, I'm going to come one day later than that. And you gave me all of like 12 hours notice. So that's part of, if you allow people to take advantage of you that way, then they'll treat you that way. And I think you need to be able to stand in that that process. Now, prior to the Chrysler contract, I got connected to the founder of Consulting Resource Group. And Dr. Terry Anderson founded the company in 1979. And so that's the assessment part of our company. And after 9-11, instead of going back into the consulting and training, I bought the assessment company from the founder, and that was always our highest rated programs when we did, you know, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you more like me or why don't you sell the way that I buy or transforming leadership models. Whenever we used our assessments, I, I shifted and I said, okay, then I went from being a speaker who wrote to an author who speaks. Mm-hmm. And that was the shift in my mindset.
0: When you were doing the assessments after 9-11, was that in that time frame easier to sell because it didn't involve travel or maybe it was more virtual? Was there something to why that product did well after that 9-11 or when everybody was freezing budgets and freezing travel?
1: What was easier, it was just a shift for me in my own business. I mean, it was a lot of work to buy the company and transform it because at that time, none of the tools were online, Henry. Okay. So if you go back to 2001, 2002, when I bought the company, mm-hmm. you know, some people think the internet's been around forever. It was just really launching. In 1995, when I was commuting to, 96, uh, when I was commuting to Detroit, the reason was is because there was no email. People don't even get the fact that just, you know, 30 years ago, there wasn't email. So all our program development, all the virtual stuff, here we are, we're having a podcast. I'm in Vancouver, you're in Dallas. Who would have imagined this 25 years ago? that we would do this and that we would connect experts and entrepreneurs and all this content, all this aggregation of all this knowledge in this way. Nobody would ever guess that way back then, but it's amazing, it's awesome. I think it just rocks. Podcast is my number one space for learning personally.
0: Yeah, and so it is for me. I've I've become now that if I go to the gym, I don't drive much because I home office, but whenever I do drive to the gym or at the gym, if if I'm not listening to a podcast, I feel like I wasn't completely productive.
1: Oh I am one to 2 hours a day. Yeah. Absolutely minimum. Yep. It's just I just don't go without it. And there's so much there for everybody and you know the good work you're doing Henry on this show for entrepreneurs my encouragement is I mean you just get into this stuff listen to this stuff it's it's free it's easy to access you've got it on your phone your mobile it's amazing.
0: Yeah I appreciate that. All right so what are you primarily doing today?
1: Well our number one focus is that we have this entire holistic assessment system. So when people say, well, what does that mean? Well, we are masters. We believe that we're one of the best in the world in creating self-awareness in multiple, and I'll talk about what some of those areas are in a moment, which then lead to self-mastery that then leads into being deliberate and intentional with all my decisions in all my life. So if it's health and wellness, we believe in a holistic model. So we have a personality model. Some people have heard of DISC or Myers-Briggs. We have our own. And we developed ours because we wanted to address some of the concerns with some of the other ones out there. We have one on stress and wellness. We have self-worth. We have values. We have leadership. We have learning style. We have an entrepreneurial assessment for entrepreneurs where they can actually compare themselves to other successful entrepreneurs. Do you have the mindset? What's your business style? Then we also have a job fit. So all of these work together as a congruent system. And even things like the values assessment where I can look at and say, what are my core values? Does my life represent what my motivational or internal values are? And if it doesn't, then I know that you're not going to be feeling fulfilled.
0: And if I do, then I'm starting to
1: live with purpose. You starting to, because values, everybody understands what is value. So what would it mean if you knew what your core motivational values were? And then you then use that as criteria to filter through decisions, filter through choices. And so we make this uh, statement, what would it mean if you could make the right decision every time? And it's a bit of a play on words, that if I use my values for the most part, that is going to be true. And yes, I'm gonna be closer, I'm gonna be congruent, I'm gonna be connected to what's most important to me. A lot of times when people don't feel fulfilled, they are forcing themselves into position or roles that don't match who they are. You know, we believe to playing to your strengths, We also be playing to your values. I'll give you a quick story. I was brought in to as a consultant to a large department chain where they had 400% turnover in their credit collection department. And what the manager had done is hired people with the value tranquility, which also equals harmony, as part of the credit collection. But what happened is is that their number one fear is conflict. Well, what's fear? What is what happens on every single call if I'm in a credit collection? So that's why it was a 400% turnover. Yes, he was well meaning, wanting the nicest credit collection department in the country. But the reality is is that the people that he was hiring, they couldn't sustain the engagement because the nature of the work did not match the nature of who they were. Mm -hmm. And it was no no judgment towards anybody, it was well-meaning. So what we did is we shifted that and we moved from 400% to a 40% turnover in 90 days. That's the kind of impact that you can have by just shifting and focusing on what's most important. No doubt.
0: All right, so you're beginning to touch on it, but but define for me then at a high level what you mean by live, lead, and work on purpose or or living on purpose. And then specifically, obviously, we're gonna apply this to what it means to a small business owner to be doing their business on purpose. But define it for me at a high level. What
1: does that mean to live on purpose? Well, I we believe, and this is my own bias of being around this for 30 years, is that every single person is here for a reason and every single person has innate, gifts talents and abilities ones that energize you see interests draw you henry and so motivation is actually a myth if i have to motivate you then that's actually a misnomer now there are some reasons that come into play why i might not feel motivated today i stayed up late last night but at its core life should not be a burden and so If I'm connected to my purpose, then I should feel energized. I feel engaged. It should be a natural. People talk about being in the zone as an athlete or a flow. There's all these words or verbs that kind of connect to it. That's what we mean by that. And that every single person has, maybe there's more than one, has these innate sort of connection points or interests that you're energized. I just finished speaking in a conference, uh, Henry. There was 150 people in the room. I can't believe how energized I was in that room. And I've been doing this for 30 years. I've done over 33,000 paid presentations as a keynoter or workshops. And I was more energized then than I was in the very first time that I did it. And I said, why is that? Just because I absolutely love it. I don't know why. I don't need to know why. But I know that that is what energizes me. And that is purpose for me, seeing the people transform in the middle of that workshop.
0: Yeah. And that, and that makes perfect sense. And uh, this is a concept that of course, when you, when you explain it, it, makes sense working in your zone, doing what you're, what you enjoy, what you're good at. That where I have sometimes a challenge that I need you to help me with Ken applying it is what if I end up in, in a business, whether because I inherited it maybe like your farming business or, or a business that I picked for other reasons. And it's not really my passion. It's making me money. It's, it's providing a living. How do you help people reconcile then that disconnect? Do I need to get rid of that business and find one that does let me work on my purpose? Or how do you
1: reconcile those two things if I'm asking it clearly enough? Well, it's a perfect question, Henry. I think that's that's the question. Can I reconcile it? Can I actually have enough passion for this business or enjoy my other business I, you know, in one of our workshops, we've talked to entrepreneurs where a lot of times they make a decision about this. The reason I'm going this business, it can make lots of money. Correct. Yeah. But I hate it. Right. Well, we know that long term sustainability and engagement is very, very difficult in that concept. And we know that what all the research around what percentage of businesses make it to the third generation. Well, that doc, Dr. Stanley's work, right? It's less than 10%. Why is it that? Because the, the founder and the connection and the purpose of the founder doesn't connect to the brother, sister, daughter, aunt, family member downstream. Now, my brother has now taken over the dairy farm That's and his son is on it, which is now the fifth generation. Uh, but I, I knew for sure that doing the dairy farm every day for the next 20 years would not be fulfilling. I could do it from a competency point of view. And so the challenge for everybody out there is, is it reconcilable or not? Only you, as the entrepreneur, can actually answer that question. And the other one is, is, is that your business, does not really reflect the lifestyle that you want? So let's say I wanna have three months off a year, Henry, and I have a 24 seven corner store and I'm one of two employees. Yeah, there's a conflict between those two goals. Yeah. Man. And so I you mean, it's,
0: it's not right? a like what you were going through when you were working all of those hours, there was a disconnect there. Right. But, but you did it in part for the income. Is that fair? Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. So, for,
1: so it, never, it was in yeah. now don't get me wrong that I wasn't feeling fulfilled. Right. Right. Yeah. You were challenged
0: and it was great work and you knew you were having an impact. So all those things were great. Right.
1: But it was just too much travel. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, welcome to the virtual world where now I love doing podcasts as a podcast host of the Secrets of Success with Dr. Keys or your show and being a guest on your show. I'm right here in my home office. Are you kidding me? You know, how much fun is that where I didn't have to get on an airplane or travel around the world to be able to do it? Uh, I think now technology is allowing some of us to fulfill our dreams and goals more so than ever before. Absolutely.
0: This is Henry Lopez. Before we continue with this episode, I have a few questions for you. Are you struggling with getting started or making the transition from your corporate job to starting your own business? Or are you a current small business owner who needs help with managing and growing your business? Are you ready to invest in your future? I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. Just text bizcoach to three one nine nine six for more information. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business dreams and goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are facing. And often it's about helping you ask the right questions so that you can make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more or to schedule your free coaching session, Just text bizcoach to 31996 now. That's B-I-Z-C-O-A-C-H, bizcoach to 31996. Or visit thehowabusiness.com. But when you do work with those folks who are in a business that, as you say, they've articulated that they hate, uh, and and sometimes that tends to be an exaggeration that, that we bring to it, uh, what are some of the questions or some of the things you have them think about that gets them on that path to reconciling? And either I got to think at some point, Ken, you either have to decide I got to get out of this business or I,
1: I need to develop a different perspective on this business. Is that is that fair? Absolutely. I think both of those are true. So in some cases, I don't have to ditch everything. And my, my encouragement is don't make Rash decisions right now because you listen to the show and I say I got to get rid of my business. No, 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 that's not what we're saying is, you know, the best time to get a job is when you have one, the best time to get into another business is when you have one. Mm. And so part of this sometimes is that we're doing some things that really de-energize us if I want to create a word. So Maybe I can split some responsibilities. Now, I was interviewing another entrepreneur who's a multimillionaire, very, very successful. And he says the one thing he doesn't believe in is delegating. Well, I would say wow. you want to delegate those things that you, disagree, you, like, you really, really hate. So, you know, I have an MBA as well as a PhD, but I really don't like accounting. I understand numbers and I'm good at numbers and budgeting and those things. But I have a bookkeeper it is just the least favorite thing that I want to do to be able to fill out all those forms. Now, what this other entrepreneur was teaching was, it says, be a skilled expert in the different parts of your business so that when you have people that you hire, that you know that they're doing a good job is really right. what his point was there. So the rec- the questions are, is that I believe that life leaves clues, Henry clues in terms of what energize you, you have an entire process that I take people through and it's in the book "The Quest for Purpose," And of course, we're going to have a special gift for everybody here that are listening to the show around that book, is I get people to break down different components. What are the senses? What are the people you like to hang around with? And if I pay attention to these clues about where I'm energized, then I can bring those together into different puzzle pieces. And when I bring those together, then that's really the picture. That's the business. Do these components, these elements of the business? or these elements fit into that business or what business would reflect these things, which are core motivational factors, interests, gifts, talents. So we even say senses. What do you like in terms of people? What do you like in terms of geography? What do you like in terms of learning all of these little components? Sometimes what happens, Henry, is the question is, what is your life purpose is too big for people. Mm -hmm. It's too overwhelming. So we break it down into little pieces. That's why the roadmap in the book is there. And we take you through a step-by-step process to be able to get clear. You know, there was a study done of what were the habits of the number one high performers in the world. And there were six habits that they identified. But you know what the number one habit was? Clarity. I am clear. I know who I am. I know what I stand for. I know what my values are. I know the direction. And then I am clear about what I need to do to take my business to the next level. Clarity breeds confidence. Lack of clarity brings uh, consternation or it drains people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff there. And I'm assuming that's part of the, in that book, The Quest for Purpose, you lay out a, a roadmap. And that's that you've just shared a few of the components of that. Is that correct?
1: Yes. And all the steps, all that you would go through. Now, interesting, Henry, I went through this myself at 29 years of age with another individual out of Seattle, Washington. I drove two and a half hours there and back to be coached by him for six months because I knew I was supposed to speak, but I didn't know exactly about who, who and what. So as I transitioned in the late 80s into this profession, I actually hired somebody to help me to get clear about this. And then that's where my purpose statement, my purpose to help others to live, lead, and work on purpose. And so, and all our components, all our assessments and tools and consulting training lead towards this clarity, better relationships, better clarity about your health. You know, so what if I am, uh, I love my business and, but I'm sick all the time, or I have no wellness and I'm always stressed. Well, again, that can come into play, or I want to have this business and I have 10 employees, but I can't lead them. So that's where we take this holistic process and, and have all these things available for them.
0: Yeah. You you were talking about habits and one of the habits, uh, I think I can call it a habit that you've mentioned is your five hour rule. And I was hoping you could uh, introduce that and explain that and how you use that.
1: Well, the five hour rule is five hours of learning every week. So both of us have already said that we listen to podcasts pretty well every day. As part of that learning, I have some newsletters that I come, that have come in. So right now, with all the changes going on, all the different possibilities, is you need to be a lifelong learner. You, you don't ever graduate from life. You are just continuing to this evolve. There's new software. There's new possibilities. There's new options that are out there. So what are you doing to educate yourself pretty well every single day? All of, you know, like Warren Buffett, that's his rule. Every morning for five days a week, he's going to look at the papers, the trends. He's going to read about it. Bill Gates talks about it. So the five-hour rule is dedicating yourself for five hours of learning every week. I'm easy at that. I'm probably more like 10 or 20. And as a researcher that goes into this space, it's even, that's part of the work that I do as well. But my encouragement as an entrepreneur is that the only way that we're going to grow is to listen to podcasts like Henry's were uh, mine or others and then continued to hear from other experts so this would be listening to this podcast would be contributing to that 5 hour rule
0: yeah do you, and uh, and you you just you adhere to that at least 5 hours every week
1: that's that's part of your habit that you've developed right absolutely and then two spaces i get e newsletters that i subscribe to uh, on wellness and different areas that i'm interested in leadership and then i also have the podcast and those are the main ones I still read books, but not as many as I used to because I'm so consumed with podcasts. So it's so easy to consume as you drive or walk or work out. Yeah. Do
0: you, I I find sometimes I need to read uh, something unrelated to business because it's so consuming for me sometimes. And I find that sometimes you find great ideas in fiction or in other things unrelated necessarily to business. Do you find that as well?
1: I'm less so though biographies is the place that I would go to. Yeah. Yeah. So stories, again, I love story. That's the nature of it. People love story. We can remember something as part of it. And so their story, their journey, what did they go through? And so it might be partly a business book, but also it's their story. And I would read those biographies. Yeah, I love biographies as well.
0: I'm hoping you can give me a little bit more color of what it looks like when a small business owner is working with purpose, where they're living and leading and working on purpose. We've touched on some of those things and the reconciliation of it and some of those habits. But what else does it look like when you observe them, Ken? what 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 are they doing? How are they living their lives?
1: Well, part of it is they know that it 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 links to both as an entrepreneur, you know we somebody says I have my business life and I have my home life, right? Well, really, as an entrepreneur, there's a gray line.. <laughs> Agreed. I, I was just in Australia for a month. I did emails every single morning. And so, and I, I don't apologize for that because I didn't want to come back to 1,000 unresponded emails as part, it's it's who I am. So part of it is, is that you have this natural sort of comfort in this zone. The other one is, is the business serving you or are you serving the business? Can you answer that question? So is the business that's something that's really supporting your goals, your objectives? in what you want to do. Now, you really have a long ways to go, Henry, to go get a yogurt if you're going to go to Colorado from Dallas to be able to get that yogurt. Yeah. So obviously, you're not consuming quite as much as you could if you lived next door Correct. as the owner. Uh, but I asked that question. The other one is, is you think about with me, with almost losing my family as part of my training company, is some of these lifestyles. It was great on the cash flow but it wasn't from a lifestyle point of view. And also my health, I actually gained 40 pounds. Mm, Wow! I I mean, that I'm, I'm just a short guy. I'm five nine. So that's like a lot of weight. And I was always an athletic person, but of course you're sitting in airplanes. Uh, I remember one, one year I had 150 flights uh, in one year. So where, where do you work out? You don't, because I'm, you get out of the meeting, you get on an airplane, you go into the next meeting. And so that really cost me from a health perspective. And when that was all done, I you mean, went back to working out, being more fit. And so how that shows up is, are you, do you really know? And I think this is the question for all of us, Henry. Do you really know if you had the perfect business, the perfect life, what would that look like? And what does my current condition and my business and my life compare to? And are the gaps Closable can I work on it? What is it that I need to to learn if I'm a I remember working in the auto industry? We had a lot of consulting where We went on site There was a lot of these owners who were terrible bosses very very poor in the le- leadership space And so they couldn't keep staff and they had high turnover Well part of the issue was is that they were not developing themselves So they were slaves to their business, but they weren't even developing themselves as a leader and all the research, i proved this in my MBA, is that the morale of a team is reflective and highly influenced by the supervisor they report to. So if you have poor morale in your company, then no, look no further than the mirror. So these become development opportunities. And most owners, such as you know, on the dairy farm, I don't know when my dad's ever been to a course outside of understanding how to feed dairy cows, how to you know, do the, the agricultural product or as far as the land, but he's never been to a leadership course and he's 80, 86. So again, as an entrepreneur, what is it that I need to learn such as you can learn from your podcast here?
0: Yeah, no, and that's a great point. I want to touch on that a little bit more because we've, we've touched on, you know, the the live side of it and the working on purpose, but the leading, because as you've articulated and throughout the examples, Part of how we get that reconciliation is our business has to allow us the time and the flexibility to lead that life that we want to live outside of working. And part of that is then empowering and leading others to help us accomplish our common goal. Mm. When you look at small business owners, you've touched on some of these things. When you see it done well, what does that look like? That leadership component uh, when a small business owner effectively leads his team, he or her, what are they doing? Give me some examples there of what you've observed that works
1: well. Well, first the research, what are the top two reasons that leaders fail? Number one is a lack of interpersonal or emotional intelligence skills. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number two is hubris or arrogance. So, that's where the leader doesn't need to learn anything. I worked with a a client, 400 employees, $150 million built from scratch from his living room, but wouldn't take any feedback about him. He was a dictator. So he was still able to grow it just through sheer force. Uh, Now on the other side is what does a leader need to be successful? So number one is they have a deep understanding of themselves. You know, what do I bring to the table? Who am I? Number two is this self-mastery that we talked about. And number three is a deep understanding of others. Because when we think about leadership being successful, it's about influencing others. Now, I remember I mentioned this habit um, research around the top six habits. Well, one of those top six habits, in addition to clarity, the other one was influence. And so my understanding of myself, what do I bring to the table? What are my strengths? What are my deficiencies or weaknesses or challenges? But I know that about my team. And if you look at the other research is what's one of the number one things to be able to have an engaged team is inspiration means I connect people's goals to the goal of the company. So Henry, how do you connect to where we're going? Mm -hmm. And do you clearly have a vision about where you're going? And people are inspired by that. And so intentionality and owning their leadership development in a, a, a very deliberate way is critically important and that's where it shows up those individuals that own it and it's amazing one of one of our clients won a business of the year and this person deeply deeply cares for every one of the guys on his team it's all guys sorry not to be sexist but it's a very blue collar job and they have 12 people that are on the team and we've worked with them for a couple of years and he just cares for them deeply and that's why they won entrepreneur of the year locally you know amongst the entire state or province because that of the environment and the culture that he has set up there,
0: yeah, great stuff. very insightful. I want to go back to the point specifically on the hubris or arrogance. I think there's there's two levels to that. there's there's the obvious person who's an egomaniac and a dictator. and 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 I think we all know if we probably can even assess if we are one of those people. But I think there's another side to it, Ken, that we can all succumb to is that, it's that fear of showing that we don't have all the answers, that we're vulnerable. Mm. And, I, and I think, Ken, that maybe it comes from, for those of us like myself that come from a corporate environment, I think maybe we pick that up there because that's not an environment where as much as companies will tell you it's okay to fail, it's not, right? It really isn't. Mm. So I, I wonder if that's where we pick that up, or maybe it's just human nature that we're not willing to let anybody see that I don't know this particular area. It all so much ties, though, to everything you've been talking about, understanding where, what we are good at, what, what is our zone, and focusing there and admitting that we need the rest of our team to help us in other areas, right?
1: Absolutely. Well, some of you might be familiar with the book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There by Dr. Marshall Goldsmith, the number one executive coach in the world who has just recently retired. And he said a lot of times, even in his, his clients are CEOs of Fortune 500, not small business. But he said the the challenge is is what got you there was this expertise, knowing Mm -hmm. everything, knowing that you were right. But the number one way to demoralize a team, to shut people up, to not get team participation is to always be right and to correct people. And to what he talks about, and I've been in his presence in New York, personally invited to spend a day with him, around what he calls adding value. So Henry, you, you're a staff member and you share a concept or an idea. And then I say to you, Henry, but what about this? This What about this devalues everything that you've, you've said? In other words, your idea you own. You're going to have ownership of it. You're going to engage it. But as soon as I say, what about this? Meaning adding some value, which might add 5 or 10% to the idea. It's now my idea and the CEO and then you're no longer engaged. That discipline to shut up and not say anything, and to stop adding value. I have a client right now where I'm coaching right now in in a community group as a leader, and nobody wants to be with them because he is always right. And it's just demoralizing. It's de-energizing for everybody there. And why would I participate? Well, hang on. Why do I hire you in the first place? Henry, you here, you have an expertise. Why wouldn't I listen to what you have to say, and why wouldn't I let you go with it? and that is and i'm an entrepreneur and ours is a small company as well is that that is one of the disciplined things to learn and be aware and conscious that your behavior at any given moment is having impact and do you know what that impact is is it positive is it neutral or is it negative yeah great insights great insights
0: Right. Thanks for sharing that with me. Um, all right. Let's, uh, let's summarize for us again. We, we touched on it at, at the outset, but summarize for us the services that you currently offer your clients.
1: Well, our number one area is around developing self-awareness. And so we have an entire set. It's technically 12 assessments that are holistic in design, which are all online, that you can go and take if it's personality, entrepreneurship or self-worth or wellness or learning styles if you're in teacher and or job fit, which we also have that. And small companies, you don't have to be certified to use our tools or resources. And then from there we expand out, and we have curriculum. So we've created a sales training program. Why don't you sell the way that I buy around our sales assessment? Or why aren't you more like me? Which is my book there. And then once in a while we will do coaching. I definitely do consulting and training globally, all around the world. We've been from you know Singapore to London and everybody in between kind of thing, or Melbourne, Australia. So that that's our core offering. And we really want to have other people to live, lead and work a purpose and develop the whole person. And by developing the whole person, then you're going to optimize your performance at all levels and do the same thing for all the people around you.
0: And then you've got, as you mentioned, at the outset, a free download for our listeners. So tell us about that.
1: I'm going to give everybody a full, not a, a mitigated or a short, but a full copy of an e my ebook, The Quest for Purpose. It's also available in print, but you can go to my speaker site, which is kenkeys k e n k e i s dot com slash henry. I don't know how we got that URL, I but it's imagine. a I, don't, I can't imagine, Henry, how we got that. <laughs> Slash Henry. And you will be able to get a free download of my book, The Quest for Purpose, the entire roadmap, all the steps that are in there uh, to be able to go to the next level. And if, even if you're living on purpose, it, what it'll do is help you to clarify and fine-tune it. And if your purpose, you don't know what your purpose is, then here's what we say. Your purpose is to find your purpose. And then this book will help you to assist to do it. Or if you have some people you know who don't, um, are unaware of their direction in life, then this will help them. And you're more than welcome to give them kenkeyscom slash Henry, and they can get that free download.
0: Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, it makes, it makes absolute sense. If you're listening this far, that means this topic was of interest to you as it should be to everybody. I mean, this is a free resource. It ties into what Ken's shared about his five hour rule of always learning. It's on topic. And I think even people who feel like they know what their purpose in, I, I think it's an ongoing process.
1: Is, is that what you observe as well, Ken? Yeah, absolutely. Fine tuning and refining. I mean, I suspect Henry that both you and I are a little bit different than we were 20 years ago, as far as just getting to know each ourselves deeper. Yeah. And also what happens for people is you want to know what you don't like as much as what you like. Yeah. But par- part of the gift of purpose is the ability to say no equally as the ability to say yes. Agreed.
0: All right. Let's talk about books. You have, as I mentioned at the outset, four different books uh, that, that include Why Aren't You More Like Me, Deliberate Leadership, The Quest for Purpose, which you can download for free. So take advantage of that. Um, and then uh, you also have a podcast, which you mentioned, which is Secrets of Success with Dr. Ken Keyes. And I found that on iTunes, I'm assuming you're on other platforms as well, as well as your website, right? We're also on
1: SoundCloud. And I think we're also on Stitcher. Great. So, and uh, yeah, we're we're not posting them on my site completely quite yet, but we're going to be in the next couple of
0: weeks. Wonderful. So find them either on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. Um, but books, uh, we both like books. So we uh, you mentioned what got you there won't, won't, what got you here won't get you there. What other book comes to mind that you would recommend?
1: Well, Marshall has a a later book called Triggers. So Trigger is really, when we talk about habits and behavioral change, let's let's acknowledge the fact that it takes work, it takes effort, and it's not easy. It is the absolute best book I've ever read on behavioral change or Mm -hmm. coaching behavioral change internally and also to help somebody else to shift. And another book, which I actually found good for me because this is my space and it might not apply to everybody else, is Million Dollar Consulting by Dr. Alan Weiss. And and it's interesting because those of us that are in this space of coaching and training, that's where it fits in. But what Alan's teaching there is can you actually maintain value, what I call value integrity? He says a lot of times as entrepreneurs, we actually discount the value we bring. And as a result of that, we are not getting all that we want because, you know, you, you wouldn't want to pay for my coaching. Would you, Henry? That kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So we, uh, that's where that book and I found very, very valuable.
0: Great. Great tips. Great uh, suggestions. We'll have links to those books, all of Ken's books, uh, the free download link. If you didn't get that, you can find it all as well on the show notes page for this episode at the how We'll wrap it up with the last two questions here, Ken. What what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had specifically around being, working on your purpose, working in purpose rather, or on purpose, especially for the small business owner. What's one thing you want us to take away?
1: Well, I just encourage everybody that, you know, life is to be enjoyable. Everybody listening here has a purpose. If you don't think that you do, then your job is to discover it. Your job is to do the work however long it takes to discover that so that you can have the majority of your life to have this enjoyment. And here's why the highest level of contribution, Henry is at this point when I am on fire, when I'm doing like right now, this is not work. Are you kidding me? This is like a joy to be able to be on your show and to share this way is the same thing for everybody else. And I don't care. There's no judgment. You know, if you have a car washing business like your other sidebar there or yogurt business or pizza or real estate, doesn't matter. All the things that you've been involved with, Henry, then be your best there and everybody can find it. And uh, that's it's not from a self-centered, but it's from a self-honoring point of view.
0: Well said. I completely agree with that. Um, So thanks for sharing that, that thought. You're welcome. Where do you want us to go online to find out more?
1: Well, you can just go to my speaker site, Ken Keys, K-E-N-K-E-I-S.com. And then if you want to find out more, there's fill in the box or email me or whatever through the, the contact box there. And then we'll follow up with any questions that you might have. Or and then of course you're going to download the book. And if you have any questions there, then I'm open to respond.
0: Fantastic. This has been a great conversation. As you were saying when you were when you were summarizing the key takeaway, I agree completely that. You know when, when we finish something like a podcast or whatever it is that we're working on that we feel we're in our zone, afterwards I feel more energized than before, right? Like it's, it's, it just got my juices going, I got my brain going and I, and I can't stop thinking about it. And that's, that's one of the ways you know. Now I, I think that in reality, it's not I don't know that in my experience anyway, Ken that it is realistic that you're going to be in that level 100 percent of the time in your business. but I would say that at the end of most days, you should have at least had some of that. Was that is that fair?
1: Absolutely. I'd agree with that. No, life's not perfect. There's stuff that we all have to do that we don't like. But can I have the majority of my life reflect what my gifts, talents, abilities, passions, purpose might be? Yeah.
0: Fantastic conversation. Thanks for being with us today and sharing your thoughts and insights and experiences.
1: Thanks, Henry, for having me on the show. It's been a pleasure.
0: This is Henry Lopez, and you've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was Dr. Ken Keys. We release new episodes on Monday mornings, and you can find us on iTunes,
1: Stitcher, and at our website, thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.